Hello and welcome to the How BJJ Works podcast, the podcast where we do a deep dive and explore a concept or topic that was covered in the weekly blog post on the website. My name is Justin and I am your host. I'm a three-stripe purple belt who's been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about seven years. This podcast is mostly targeted at newcomers to BJJ or those who are curious about the sport and would like to learn more before taking the plunge. That being said, all are welcome. And if you've been training for a while but just like to listen to people talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, please take a seat and stay a while. Today's episode is going to be on the 15 questions to ask before signing up for a BJJ gym. This episode is going to be covering questions 11 through 15. Number 11 is going to be, is the neighborhood safe? Number 12 is, what are people saying? 13, what are the facilities like? 14, do they have an online presence? And 15 is, how does the gym track membership? So to get started here, we're going to go to number 11, is the neighborhood safe? This is an interesting point, and I was struggling to think about how to fit it in and who all it would apply to. Um, But my thought in including this was, if you're going to be going to evening classes, sometimes you stay late, and if you have to find parking away from the gym then you may end up walking to your car at a pretty late time. And really the consideration is, is this a neighborhood that you would feel safe walking to your car alone at 10.30 p.m. or 11 p.m.? And you may be thinking to yourself, are you really going to be leaving the gym at 11 p.m.? It's possible. Uh, I do. (laughs) Uh, Granted, I, I tend to stay quite a bit later. So maybe this won't apply to most people, but it is something to take into consideration. So for example, a class that I go to, 6.45 to about 8.15 or 8.30, then I want to stay and get in extra rolls. So maybe we don't start rolling until 9, gives everyone a chance to kind of get situated. And then you roll from 9 to 10 or 9 to 10.30. And then maybe you, you know, you got to change, help clean the mats, talk a little while. By the time you get out of there, it might be 11 or 10.30, somewhere around there. And then, you know, for me, it's pretty simple. I just walk to my car. It's in the parking lot. But if somebody is in an area where the gym doesn't have parking and you have to find street parking and maybe it's a really busy area and it's hard to find parking at, you know, 6.30, that's pretty conceivable. You know, then by the time you go to your car, everything's kind of clear, but you had to park far away. And so now you're walking to your car at 10.30 p.m. Do you feel safe doing that? Is this an area where that's fine? Especially if you're a female in the sport, you may want to take this into consideration. Ideally, we would live in a world where you wouldn't have to take this into consideration, but that's not exactly the world we live in. And depending on where you live, it may be a more real thing to think about for some people than others. And so just know the area. And if you don't know the area, then ask somebody at the gym who might know it a bit better. And... Don't be afraid to ask somebody to walk to the car with you if you're going to be staying this late. One of the previous questions in the seven-step guide was to find a gym that's close-ish to where you live. This is another one of those reasons that I probably should have mentioned at that point, which is you can just have a better understanding of the area that you're going to be training in. So the bottom line, I suppose, should be if you think you'll be leaving at a decent hour, Maybe this doesn't apply to you, but if you think that you're going to be one of those people that sticks around and wants to stay pretty late to get in a lot of extra rolls, then just consider the area where you're parking and whether you need to ask somebody to walk with you or your car. 
Next question number 12. What are the people saying? This is always important regardless of what you're doing in life. Probably should take a look at the reviews of what you're purchasing or restaurant you're going to, etc. It's not always going to be the be-all end-all and sometimes gyms go through changes or businesses in general go through changes. So even if the reviews are negative, you know, maybe take a look at the date and see if the gym is under new management or ownership or something along those lines, or if the coaches are different. But I would say for the most part, reviews are a pretty good indication of what you're going to get. And it's good to know ahead of time whether people are enjoying a positive experience at the gym. Now, one thing I did want to mention here is if you live in a rural area, you may not have the luxury of finding a gym that has a ton of online reviews. Or if the gym is new, it may take some time before those reviews start to propagate through. So if you're looking at a gym that meets all of the criteria that you're looking for, it's close to where you live, it has the hours and the schedule that match up exactly with what you're looking for, but let's say there's no reviews. So one thing you can do is you can hop on their website, hopefully they have one, where you can find out what the instructor or coach's names are. And hopefully you can do a Google search for those names and see if they show up on any other sites. Maybe they trained at other gyms or coached at other gyms. Or you can even just ask them or find out where they trained or coached previously and then look up the reviews for that gym and see if that person is mentioned in a positive or a negative light from those reviews. And if the internet is just completely black and there's nothing on them, then you, know, you can always go in there, give it a shot. We've already talked about using the punch card system or just paying the drop-in fee to do a few classes. You don't have to sign up for a long-term contract right off the bat. But for the most part, I would expect that, especially in a bigger city, you should be able to find a gym that has a ton of reviews. And if you live in a rural area, you may just have to <laughs> kind of take what you can get and hope that it's going to be a good gym. Moving on to number 13, what are the facilities like? And this is something you might be able to tell from the pictures, either when you're looking on Google Maps or from a website, but you're probably going to get the best idea from just going into the gym and checking it out in person. Once you've taken a few classes, you're going to have a pretty good understanding of the amenities they offer and how clean it is. Just take a look for a few things. Does the gym have showers? Are they cleaning the mats? That's super important. Is there somebody who cleans the floor, the bathrooms, those kind of things? You may not be able to see that it may not be visible to you but you can even ask like hey can I help you clean the mats and they may say oh no you know we've got somebody who's going to be coming in and doing it after class or no I got it or maybe they say yes and then, <laughs> and then you might have to help them clean the mats but it's at least that way you know that they are getting cleaned or in some gyms they actually have the newer students clean the mats uh, that's kind of a common thing if there's a bit more of a traditional hierarchy built into the structure of the gym other gyms it's more just going to be the head instructor or maybe they have a cleaning person who comes in and does it that will clean the mats. But yeah, make sure that the mats are definitely getting cleaned. But then look for if the gym has showers. This can be super convenient to just shower ahead of class or after class. I used to work in a pretty manual labor intensive job and I would show up to class pretty sweaty and I would actually take a shower before class. It just made me feel much better. <laughs> I wasn't all sweaty and gross for my training partners ahead of time. You know, you can wait to get all sweaty and gross during sparring. <laughs> if they don't have showers, if it's not the end of the world, there are a lot of really good gyms that don't have showers. But just make sure the gym seems clean overall. The mats are getting clean, the bathroom's getting clean, the floor looks pretty clean, and you should be good to go there. 
Number 14 is, do they have an online presence? There are a few reasons why it can be pretty helpful to find a gym that has a website or social media and all that good stuff. First thing and most important is going to be the schedule. Just having the ability to load up the website, take a look at whether they're open this day or whether they have a class at this time. Especially when you first get started at a gym, you're probably not going to have the schedule memorized. At some point, you'll no longer have to check it. But initially, it's going to be very, very helpful. The other thing, too, when you're doing your research, checking out to see whether this is a gym that you might want to go to or check out, is to see if they have any photos online, maybe bios about the instructors and coaches. In one of the previous questions, I had identified things you might look for in a coach. Uh, one of those was, did they compete or are they competing? You can see usually the coaches and the coach bios will list when they've won any competitions. This is usually something that people like to talk about. They might also talk about their philosophy, whether they're geared more towards training new people or whether this is more a gym for advanced students. They may also talk about their background, whether it's kind of an MMA or wrestling or judo or just straight up Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, whether it's affiliated with a specific organization which also may give you more information about what kind of gym, what kind of culture, what kind of philosophy they're going to bring to the table. And just as an example on that, uh, the previous gym I went to was affiliated with Brazilian Top Team. And if you don't know anything about that organization, it was founded by uh, Bustamante, or <laughs> Bustamanche, if uh, you do the Portuguese version. And he received his black belt from Carlson Gracie. And so these guys are just super aggressive, dominant they are just all out. They've been called kind of the warrior, just warrior style. They are gnarly to roll against. And these guys will just annihilate you from top. And that's kind of their, you know, Brazilian top team. As my old coach used to say, get on top. Brazilian top team. We don't play from bottom. And that's not to say they didn't have a bottom game. You know, you want to have games from all positions. But that was kind of their mentality. You know, crush the guy. So that's just one example of when you're on a website and you're looking for some information about what this gym might be, what they're going to be about. If you see an affiliation, then you should look up uh, the history of that affiliation to get a little more insight into kind of how they might teach. Um, additionally, if there is no information on an affiliation, that will tell you that you know they're probably not affiliated with the gym. And that might also give you a little more insight as well, because it can be a bit of a red flag if a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym is not affiliated with a well-known organization. And it's not to say that they won't be good, but there are so many out there that are, that do have, that do come from that strong lineage of really well-known, renowned practitioners that there's really no reason not to. And again, I know I've mentioned this before, but if you're in a rural area, you, you may not have the, the choice but if you're living in a city, there's really no reason not to find a gym that isn't affiliated with a well-known organization. One other thing that can be really beneficial about finding a gym with a strong online presence is that when it comes to the holidays, they're probably going to be posting on Facebook or Twitter or something, or just already have that information on their website. But sometimes things change, right? Maybe it snows and they can't get to the gym, or somebody's sick, or the coaching is going to be different, or the class is going to start late. You know, life comes up in these kind of situations, especially if it's a smaller gym and there's not as many people to cover all these different aspects. So having that social media presence is going to be important for that because they'll probably be posting updates and letting you know ahead of time. So you don't just show up to class and no one's there and you don't know what's going on. It can be really nice when the gym is posting that information. One other element that can be really beneficial here as well 
is if the gym has a maybe a public or a closed group on Facebook where all the members can be communicating with each other or some kind of online forum. This way people can say, hey, I'm coming in on Saturday. Anybody want to come and roll and show up for some open mat? You know, that can be awesome. The instructors might say, hey, we're going to be working on this type of thing, you know, come prepared. Uh, one thing I've seen before is the coach will say, hey, we're going to work on chokes with a t-shirt, self-defense situation. So bring a shirt that you don't care about because it's going to get ripped. <laughs> it's going to get ripped really bad. You're never going to be able to wear this thing again. Uh, so that kind of information is super useful too. And even just for the social element, hey, we're going to do drinks after gym, you know, on this Friday, or, uh, or we're all going to go out on Saturday night, you know, have a big team dinner and plan it well in advance. That kind of stuff is pretty cool. Number 15 is how does the gym track membership? And this might seem like a really insignificant thing, which is one of the reasons why I put it at the very end. But I think it is important and it can be indicative of whether or not the gym has a pretty tight knit community or not. So here's an example. If you go to the gym and they want you to sign in before every class, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if they want you to sign in before every class, it may mean that they're just, it's not a very tight knit, close community that knows every member intimately and well, right? And maybe this is just because it's a really big gym and they just simply can't track that many people. That's totally understandable. Additionally, maybe you're only allowed a certain number of classes and they need to make sure that you're not going over that number. Or maybe they track time, time spent on the mats as part of the promotion or for their own internal use, for use of statistics to find out how many people are coming to what classes and what classes they need to focus on. These are all super legitimate reasons to track membership. That being said, some of it is going to be on you in terms of keeping a card and filling in the time. But if they have a situation where you have to check in ahead of time, like punch into an online system or flash your card or sign into the desk or something like that, it can mean that the gym is pretty large. And again, none of these things are necessarily bad things. I just want you to be considering different aspects of which gym is going to be right for you. So if you really want that super tight, close-knit community, you might want to find a smaller gym that isn't going to require you to check in at the beginning of every class, you know, or if they do just, you know, make sure it's for the right reasons. But alternatively, you may actually want to go to a larger gym. You may want all that stuff to be tracked for you. Maybe you want an online system or a computerized system, probably more realistically. Maybe you don't want to have to fill out your time card every class so that you can get credit for the class and be considered when it comes time for a possible promotion. Everyone is going to have a different personal preference on what they want out of this experience. Some people just want to show up. They don't want to really get to know the people. They just want to show up to a few classes, do their thing, and then leave. Other people want to be really ingrained in the community. This is their life, the BJJ lifestyle, and they're going to want to be fully immersed in the experience. Just know that there are many different ways out there that gyms track membership and that some gyms are going to be more suited to a smaller community and others are going to be more suited to a larger community and that there's a lot of different ways that these are going to be tracked. So just keep in mind as you're thinking about what kind of gym you want to go to, think about what would be an ideal situation for you. And if you've probably ever been to say like a 24 hour fitness or something like that, you know with that you go in, you punch in your phone number or you show your card or whatever 
and there's a front desk person and they may or may not say hi to you and it's all just kind of you know go through the motions and no one really cares that you're there right and then you show up maybe you go to a dance class or whatever you do your workout class or you just go lift weights and then you leave and it's just it's just kind of a from you know start to finish it's just sort of a bland experience there's no real connection for the most part right sometimes you get to know different trainers or something that's one way to do it and some people like that some people don't want to have to talk to people but maybe you go to a small local gym and maybe you still have to check in right membership you flash your card or enter into a system but the front desk person knows you they're like hey how's it going man good to see you again hey how's that workout going how's your form you know blah 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 and then you're in there and you're going and the trainers are walking around and even if you aren't getting personal lessons from these people you still get to know them right it becomes a personal connection some people would rather have that or maybe there's a middle ground a combination of both where you can kind of enjoy a larger gym but you can still kind of get to know people over time that takes a bit more effort it's not going to happen as organically just think about what you like and what you want to be looking for as you're finding a gym so that covers it for the 15 questions uh, or at least from questions 11 through 15 of what you need to know before you're signing up for a gym the next episode is going to be on number three of the seven step beginners guide and that is signing a contract at your local gym so what you need to know before you sign the contract so you've chosen a gym hopefully with the help of this podcast and you are going to sign up and this is what you need to know before you do that and uh, one quick thing before we wrap up here is be sure to go to the website howbjjworks.com i don't think i've ever actually mentioned that in the podcast yet but there is a website there's a blog uh, hopefully useful content if you don't see useful content please let me know what your questions are so i can write that blog i want to answer your questions so let me know if you don't see it and i'll do it additionally there's a ton of stuff coming so uh, there's a lot of stuff scheduled we have for example a lot of the pieces of the seven step just in more bite-sized format but then once those are all done we're going into what submissions are you know what are frames how do they work should you train gi or no gi takedowns and throws and then stuff that is still getting written but is coming down the road are things like what are the benefits of jujitsu how old do you have to be to start the most effective way to learn how to train for a competition the gear you need the different types of geese. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming. This is just literally just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many different things to talk about. So I'm really excited to get all this stuff up there and on the website. But still, let me know if you see something uh, that's not on there. And even if it's on the list, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll say, hey, it's on the list. It's coming. And if it's already written, I'll tell you when it's scheduled to be posted. But the point is, is that I'm still writing and I'm stoked and there's a lot of content coming. This concludes our podcast, but I appreciate you sticking around for the whole episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and please leave a review or send me a message to let me know what you thought. In order to make ends meet, I do sell ad space on the website. I also promote affiliate links to products that I think are worth endorsing and accept donations through Patreon. If you ever want to contribute, your support is greatly appreciated, but don't feel pressured to give anything that you can't afford to anyone ever. Until next time, tap early, train often, and most importantly, have fun.